What are the consequences of a father spurning the Lord? In other words, what happens when a father turns away from God in his life? Well, we find that out in today's first reading. And in the events of King David's life that occurred before and after the famous conversation he had with the prophet Nathan, part of which we heard in this text from 2 Samuel 12. This seems like a very appropriate topic for Father's Day. First of all, I think it would be helpful to review briefly the events that took place just prior to those that are recorded for us in 2 Samuel 12. One evening, after he had been anointed king of Israel in place of Saul, David was taking a little stroll on the roof of his palace. And as he was walking along, the Bible tells us he happened to catch sight of a beautiful woman off in the distance bathing. The woman's name was Bathsheba. Well, unfortunately, lust got the better of David at that moment, and he decided to invite the young woman over to his place to see his etchings, as Bishop Sheen used to say. It's a very good euphemism, I think. Bathsheba came to the palace, and she and David committed the sin of adultery. Not long afterwards, she found herself pregnant with David's child. She knew it had to be David's because her own husband, Uriah, had been away for some time fighting for Israel in a war. Well, once the king found out about the pregnancy, he immediately called the husband, Uriah, away from the fighting, and he told him to go home and see his wife. Obviously, David was hoping that Uriah would sleep with Bathsheba and end up thinking that the child was his. And since there wasn't any DNA testing back then, this devious plot stood a good chance of succeeding. However, Uriah was a good soldier, a loyal soldier, who happened to be at war. And good, loyal Israelite soldiers at the time who were at war were not supposed to go home to see their wives and families. So Uriah didn't. He ended up sleeping in the courtyard of David's palace. So David approached it all with a little different strategy. He invited Uriah to the palace the next day, and he got the man drunk. And then he said to him, go home now and see your wife. Enjoy yourself. But Uriah once again slept in the courtyard of the palace. At that point, David had had enough. No more fooling around, so to speak, at least in this sense. So he immediately wrote a letter to his general Joab on the front lines, and he told him to make sure Uriah was out there in the middle of the next battle. And then he said to Joab, when the fighting gets really fierce, pull the rest of your troops back and leave Uriah there to be killed. Well, unfortunately, David's plan worked this time. That made him guilty of two capital sins, adultery and murder. And David felt no guilt about either of those sins until the prophet Nathan presented him with a problem that supposedly involved somebody else. It's always easier to see the sin in somebody else's life. 
Nathan said, David, let me propose to you this little case. There once was a rich and powerful man who had flocks and herds in great numbers. But this man, this rich man, went out and stole a ewe lamb from a poor man. The only ewe lamb, the only lamb, this man, this poor man owned in order to feed his hungry friend when his friend came for a visit. What do you think of that, David? Well, the Bible says David became enraged, livid, incensed. He said, the man who did such a thing deserves to die. Nathan said, well, it's interesting you should say that, David, because that man is you. You are the man in that story. Then Nathan uttered the words we heard a few moments ago in our first reading. Listen to them again now in their proper context. Nathan said to David, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king of Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your Lord's house and your Lord's wives for your own. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were not enough, I could count up for you still more. Why have you spurned the Lord and done evil in his sight? You have cut down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You took his wife as your own, and him you killed with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah to be your wife. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan answered David, The Lord on his part has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. So what happens when a father spurns the Lord? What happens when a father turns away from God in his life? The answer, my brothers and sisters, is the same kind of things that happened to David and to the people around him. Now, before I tell you what some of those things are, let me add the point, this point. What I'm about to say applies to all fathers. Spiritual fathers, that is to say, we priests, and physical fathers, which so many of you here are. Number one, first of all, when a father turns away from God, that father finds it very easy to lie. First to himself, and then to the people around him, many of whom he claims to love. Notice, once David lied to himself by rationalizing what he had done with Bathsheba, by rationalizing how he had plotted the death of her husband, once David did those things, he had no trouble whatsoever living the lie. As I said earlier, he felt no guilt whatsoever until the prophet Nathan challenged him directly on the matter. Number two, when a father turns away from God, he also tends to focus on everybody else's faults, not his own. Like David was focused on the rich man in Nathan's story. The king should have been focused on his own bad behavior. However, Unfortunately, that was the furthest thing from his mind. Number three, when a father spurns the Lord, 
He also causes strife in his family, which affects not only his present family members, but also indirectly future generations of his family, like David's sin affected future generations of his. In the case of a priest, by the way, this truth applies to his parish family. The fact of the matter is, a bad priest, an unfaithful priest, can have a negative impact on a parish family for many, many, many years, long after he's gone, retired, or transferred, or dead. When a father spurns the Lord, he also kills his conscience, which leads him to multiply his sins. That's certainly the way it was for David. Once David had silenced his conscience concerning his adultery with Bathsheba, he didn't feel any hesitation whatsoever about having Uriah, her husband, killed. One big sin led very quickly to another big sin. A father who turns away from God also typically leads other people into sin, sometimes, tragically, even members of his own family. Notice how David tried to get Uriah to commit the sin of drunkenness and to violate the law by going home to his wife while the nation was at war. That's not surprising, given where David was at spiritually. And finally, a father who spurns the Lord does tend to kill. Here we need to remember that there are different ways to kill people. There's the kind of killing that David engaged in, which thankfully is relatively rare. But there's also an emotional and spiritual kind of killing that can occur, especially in a home. A father, for example, if he turns away from God and the things of God in his life, he can kill the loving atmosphere in his home by his words and by his actions. He can certainly kill his relationship with his wife. And he can kill the spirits of his children. That's why Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now I know that most of what I've shared with you in my homily this morning would have to qualify as bad news. But I'm ordained to preach to you good news, so that's the kind I'll leave you with. If everything I've said to you so far is true. If a father who spurns the Lord can cause all of these problems, all of these difficulties for himself and for his family, then the opposite must also be true. A father who honors the Lord or who returns to the Lord after spurning him like David did in his life, that kind of father can be a light. That kind of father can be an irreplaceable blessing to his wife and children. That means he will be, for the most part, the exact opposite of what David was during his days of sin. That kind of father will be honest. He won't lie. He will be honest with himself and with others. He will be humble. 
He will be repentant. He'll face his sins, especially when those sins hurt members of his own family. And he will be a moral and spiritual leader in his home, a leader who brings love into his family and who builds up the spirits of his children. My prayer for all of you dads on this Father's Day is that you will always, always, always honor the Lord in your lives. And that each and every one of you will be this kind of father, this kind of good father to your sons and daughters. And so that you won't forget this message, we have a little gift for you today which we'll give out after the blessing in a few minutes. It's a key ring with a little flashlight on it. <laughs> Gifts for, get, for dads have to be practical and useful, so we picked out a practical and useful one. But what's really important is what's written on the side of this flashlight. It reads, Blessed is the Father who lets God light the way. Cute, huh? <laughs> I didn't think of it, the company that made them did. My prayer is that all the fathers here this morning will be so blessed so that their families will be blessed.